Today we're going we're gonna to dive in. We're going to have two passages of scriptures. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles and stick a, stick a note or a piece of paper in there, we're going to be in Ephesians 2 and James 2. Ephesians 2 and James chapter 2. And we'll get to those scriptures here in a minute. And if you have your study book, we're going to be on page 34. We're going to be finishing up today talking about justified by faith. Justified by faith is what we're going to be finishing up this chapter today. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for this moment in your presence, God. In your presence, God. Uh, thank you for this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, that what you've given me to teach, God, that will come out, and it will come out with clarity. Father, I love you, and I thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, I ask you a question this morning, because the title on page 34 says, Enjoying Right standing before God. And my question is, what is the key to enjoying a right standing with God? Or you can ask it this way, what is the key to being in a right standing with God? And I'll go ahead and give you the answer. The answer is heart posture. Heart posture is the key to being in right standing with God heart posture. King David was called a man after God's own heart, yet he committed murder and adultery. David paid a heavy price for those sins in his life. A heavy price. Elder Jeff taught on that a little while back. David paid a heavy price. Yes, he was forgiven, but he paid a heavy price for those sins. However, through the blood, the blood covenant and his faith in God's ability to make him righteous, he was made righteous before God. God hates sin. We will reap the consequences of the sins we commit in terms of the emotional, psychological, and physical debris that sin brings. However, if we repent and choose to accept God's gift of righteousness in Jesus Christ, we can enjoy right standing with God. I'm going to pause right there because I want to I compare two stories. Let's talk about David real fast, okay? Remember, David committed adultery, then he committed murder back to back, right? We all know the story. And then when he was when the prophet came in and confronted him, what did David do instantly? He repented. He repented. He got on his hands and knees and he repented. Now, that didn't stop the repercussions of the sin, correct? There were still consequences of that sin, but immediately he repented. Sir? Spared his life at that moment. See, man, why don't you just come on with me? Oh, man, I'm just going to pause right here. If y'all don't know, man, Elder Jeff, y'all, I love sitting and talking with Elder Jeff. And let me tell you why, because it is so cool. Like, we meet every other Thursday. We've been talking, and, and his wife and my wife get mad because it's like, oh, we're getting kicked out of the coffee shop. They're like, where are y'all at? But it is so cool because, you know, you just start talking, then you start digging in, you start diving in. It's like, 
Cool stuff, right? Side note, sorry. But the repentance saved David's life, but yet there were repercussions of the sin. Now let's look at a, a opposite story, Cain. We've been talking about Cain the past couple of weeks, right? Cain brought a perverted sacrifice before God. But did Cain, when, he was a, when, when God said, rejected that, what was Cain's heart posture? He was mad. He was so mad that him and his brother went out in the field, they had to talk about it, and they killed him. There's a difference in heart posture there. We must realize, however, that there is nothing we can do to earn this right standing. Nothing. All of our attempts to make ourselves holy and pure before God are useless. God is not interested in our religious duties and good works as a means of approaching him. He's not interested in it. God does want us to love people and to do good things. However, things we do in terms of ministry and good works do not earn us points with God. It's not a scale. It's not, hey God, I'm going to bank away some cool works. So when I need them, I can pull them out. It's not how it works. If we are reading the Bible, if we are tithing, praying, and doing good works because we are trying to move up in some invisible scale of spirituality, then we are missing the entire point. The entire point. All those actions are important for our spiritual growth. And they benefit us, but they do not earn God's approval. You see, God already totally approves of us because of our faith in what Jesus Christ has done through the blood covenant. It's a heart posture thing. It's a heart posture thing. I hit on it real briefly last week, but I'm going to touch on it a little bit again because it's, it's here and it's talking about it. If we're given ties just to make sure for the if we're given ties for the wrong reason, if your heart posture isn't right, I mean, let's just be honest, you might as well keep your ties in your pocket. If you're giving that offering for the wrong reason, the heart posture is wrong. See what I'm saying? If you come in and, and you come to a work day, and you're coming in for the wrong reason, to, you know, because you want to be seen or you want to get that, that scale of, hey, I want to be cool or whatever it is, and your heart posture is wrong, it's, it's, it's not right. It's not, it's not doing you any good. It's not doing you any good. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Because we all know these scriptures that we're about to read, and I want to dive into them a little bit. I want to dive into them a little bit. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. It says this, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin. That's all of us if we've accepted that free gift. 
right? In which you once walked accordingly to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. That's who we all were. That's who we all are, but for the grace of God, right? But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. Verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His, capital H, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so I, as I was studying, I was wondering, what is workmanship? Has, has anybody else ever, when reading the Bible, you, you come across a word and you're like, I think I know what that is, but I just want to make sure I know what that is. You know, I kind of geek out sometimes like that. Workmanship. First definition, is it's a noun, and it's the skill of a craft person or artesian. The quality of something made as by an artesian. Something made or produced by a workman. So knowing that, it says, for we are His, capital H, which is God's, workmanship. God's workmanship. God, the great artesian, the great artist, the great creator, we are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I just talked about before how heart posture and works, doing the wrong thing, gets us nowhere. But faith without works is, is dead. We are His workmanship. We have been created by God for His pleasure. And as it says here, for good works. We are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. And let's talk about salvation for just a second. Speaking of heart posture, right? Heart posture. If you come bend a knee because you were told to come bend a knee and accept Christ, are you really accepting Christ? What's your heart posture? Right? I put it in terms like I was when I was a teenager. 
when I was a teenager, everybody was going forth to get saved, so I went forth and, hey, let's get saved. Cool. We're all going to get saved at camp. What was my heart posture? What was my heart posture? Salvation is a free gift. And I made the statement the other day, that's the easy part, right? It's a free gift. It's already given to us. It's there for us to accept. But what's your heart posture in accepting it? I'll never forget the day that I got saved. I'll never forget it. I was 16 years old, and I was actually at a church camp. <laughs> but it was the first night, not the last night. Because, you know, a church camp, usually everybody waits to the last night, and they... You know, then that's when everybody gets right before they go home. You know, it's okay to laugh because it's true normally. It is true. But the first night, I'll never forget, there was a, a man by the name of Harold Noble. Harold Noble was about six foot tall. He was from Texas. Six foot five, I should say. He was from Texas. He had a really deep bass voice, sang bass. He was cool. But he was preaching on how the Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And he was talking about how he won't knock forever. And he said, I feel that it's somebody's last chance in here. And I was so under conviction, I couldn't even pick my head up. You know what I mean? You know how you, know, you sit with your hands on your knees and you're sitting down? You know, I couldn't even pick my head up. I was so convicted. So convicted. And the crazy thing is, is I, I mean, I didn't even, they didn't even get to the first verses, just as I am. You know, the good old Baptist, just as I am, without one plea, get to the altar, right? I, I mean, they just hit the cord and I was gone. Pow! Because I knew. And I went to one of our youth leaders. His name was Joe Hegg. Joe Hegg was a biker, bald-headed guy with tattoos. Awesome dude. Crazy on fire for God. Lived it wild and crazy. Because that's the kind of guy he was, and that's what God saved him from. And so as wild and crazy as he was as a sinner, he was wild and crazy for Jesus. And I went to Joe and said, Joe, i got to get saved. And he looked at me and said, what? Yeah, because I was the kid who was always in church. I was the kid who always was at all the meetings. I was the kid who was always at every visitation. I was that good church kid. And he literally looked at me and said, did you just say you need to get saved? I said, I got to get saved. I'm going to hell. And he was like, oh, uh, uh, okay. But the difference was when I got saved that time, I knew I needed it. My heart posture was different. My heart posture had changed. It wasn't I wanted to get saved because it was the cool thing to do or it was expected. I've heard testimonies of people in this church even that it was expected to make that walk, so they made it. But their heart posture was wrong, right? So salvation is the free gift, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a free gift to be had. 
Okay, and that's what we're talking about here in Ephesians. And then let's flip over to James. So a little backstory: if you're reading in chronological order like, like we are in, um, we have been the past two years, interesting thing is this, James was written before Ephesians. James is one of the sons of thunder. And doing a little bit more research on James, whoo, man. He was kind of like Joe Hegg. He was wild and crazy. He, he was, him and his brother, James and John, man, sons of thunder. And it's funny because when you start doing the research and stuff and then you start reading the word and, and reading how they write, it's like, oh, yeah, I can see that. You know what I mean? I could totally see his personality in his writings. <laughs> it's so cool, by the way. So interesting, because it makes the Bible come to life so much more real when you understand who the author is. So neat, so neat. So in James chapter 2, and isn't it funny, just, just pause, those of you who know I'm a numbers dude, right? I, I love numbers. Isn't it interesting that it's Ephesians 2, and then it's James 2, Ephesians 2, talking about the free gift of God. And it's interesting that in Ephesians 2, it's 10 verses that talk about that free gift of God and not of works. And, you know, 10 verses, number 10 means perfect order. That means things are in perfect order. And it's really interesting that here in James 2, you know, to be a witness, right? We all know what 2 is, being a witness, that there are 12 verses, and 12 is the number of perfect government. Perfect government. So when we're talking about faith without works being dead, that's perfect government. When we're talking about grace, not of works, that's in perfect order. Go with me here. I know it's, it's, it's a lot, but just go with me here. I hope I didn't just go with me here. James 2, verses 14 through 26. Verse 14 says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Question mark. If a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? How's it going to help? Is what he's asking. And then verse 17 says this, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Verse 18, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Quote, quote. So that's somebody saying to him, you have faith and I have works. And then James says, well, then show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by works. Verse 19, he says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Because even the demons believe and tremble. <laughs> you see his fieriness in his writing? He's, just, he's throwing it down. He's throwing down the gauntlet. And then verse 20, he says, But do you want to know, O foolish man, 
That faith without works is dead. Basically, he's saying, do you really want to know the truth here or are you just playing? Right? That's John 20, 22 interpretation version. Because then he goes on to say this in verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you not see that faith was working together with his works and by works of faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? And verse 26 says, For the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. If you have a pen or highlighter, underline that, because that is as simple as it can be to break it down Faith without works being dead. In verse 26 of, verse, of chapter 2, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And he uses the example of Abraham. God told Abraham, take your son and offer him. The journey, the long journey to the mountain He's got to be thinking the whole time, God, this is my promised son. What? He's got to be thinking it. But yet he kept putting one foot in front of the other and walking. One foot in front of the other and kept walking. And then they got to the point where the Bible says afar off, he saw it. And then he strapped the wood to his son. Grabbed the knife, grabbed everything they needed. Told the servants, you stay here. We're going to go on. It's really getting real. But he's saying, God, this is my only, this, this, this is my promise. But okay, I, I, I trust you. Then he gets up there, then he builds the altar and he's saying, okay, God. Then Isaac figures it out. And Isaac willingly lays down. And we know this is a representation of Jesus, right? We know that. But Abraham had faith, and he put works behind his faith to the point where the knife was raised in the air, ready to strike. And the angel of the Lord stopped him and provided a way. I often wonder, just daydream wonder sometimes, because when we're talking about faith without works is dead, wonder what would have happened if Abraham said no. I wonder what would have happened if Abraham didn't put to work his faith. wonder what would happen if when we have a chance to put works behind our faith, if we don't, what could happen? What could we miss? What could a world around us miss if we don't have, one, the right heart posture, and two, putting works behind the faith that we have? What would we miss? 
And I'll say it again, maybe not just as importantly what we would miss, but what would others around us miss that are supposed to see something? That when you stand before God, you'll have to give an account for. Man, that's heavy. Because just as you give with the right heart posture to missions, to the church, and then the church gives to missions, that you will see in heaven the ones that you have touched, that you have no idea you touched. What about the ones we missed because we didn't put feet to our faith? What about the ones that would have been missed? I always use Elder Jeff, and I hope it's okay, but what, 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 what about Elder Jeff if he ignored the call to go overseas and said, I'm really, I'm really more comfortable here I, I really don't want to put the work in and fasting and praying. I really don't want to go over there into some village and risk my life. I've got a wife and kids who, who, who need me. And the men and women that went with him, what if they had said no? <laughs> For by grace are you saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You cannot work to earn your salvation because Jesus already did the work for you. But once you are saved, it is up to you and to me to walk out this life, the works that he has put before us to do. That's where we get, that's where we get faith without works is dead. That's where we get that. That is the distinct difference between the two. And again, what does it all, to put a bow on it, have to do with? Your heart posture. Your heart posture. Why you do it. Christianity is not a matter of trying to be holy and doing good works. Christianity is about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A personal relationship. A personal relationship. If you have a husband, if you have a wife, if you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, and it's been said, most of us in here have been in church a long time, so we've heard this analogy a ton, so I hate to use it again, but it's true. If you have a relationship as far as a husband, a wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, and you don't talk to that person, you don't love that person, you don't interact with that person on a daily basis. There's no relationship there. There will be no relationship there, right? Makes sense. If you have a friend, if you have a best friend, and all of a sudden you just don't talk for a while, there's no interaction there because you're distracted, pretty much that friendship will dissolve and it'll separate, won't it? It's the same exact thing with Christ. It's a relationship. It's a personal relationship. And if you are not having a personal relationship with God each and every day, there will be distance. We become holy and minister good works, not as a means of trying to become righteous, but rather as the power of Jesus Christ fills us. We naturally become more like him. So as we're out working as we're out plowing the field, as we're out doing the 
works through faith. It's not to say, hey, look at me and let me bank this away. It's becoming more like him every day. Because when you follow the life of Jesus, what was he? He was a servant to the people. He served. He served. And that's what we should be doing is serving. Serving alongside of him, not caring if we get the pat on the back or not, but serving him. Because in the end, the one that matters the most is watching. Always. That's why it says, work as unto the Lord. If you are in a thankless job and you hate your job and it just seems like it is not going anywhere and doing anything and there's no benefit for the kingdom whatsoever, know that you work unto the Lord and not to that job. Same as in the spiritual world, work unto the Lord. Heart posture, heart posture, heart posture. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this lesson, Lord. And God, I pray that right now that you will bless each and every one, God. I pray, Lord, that what was said, God, was a blessing. What was taught was a blessing. Father, right now, I pray that you'll be with our pastors. As they're in New York, God, I pray that you will be with them, protect them, watch over them. As they are on assignment, God, there, I pray that you will... You will move in a mighty way there. I pray, God, for our service here that you will be with Pastor Caleb, God, as he comes and he preaches. God, I pray that we will be willing to hear what you have to say through him today, God. Father, we love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name I ask and pray all these things. Amen and amen.